0: recording in progress
1: welcome to the second season of the now strategos podcast strategos is a Greek term which roughly translated means generalship and it is part of the origin of the english word strategy my name is britain jacobson i own a few entrepreneurship endeavors work a full-time w2 job and enjoy learning i appreciate you being here let's get into the episode Before we get into this episode, I want to do a little bit of an intro, uh, just because this conversation was so unique and unexpected and uh, emotionally... Deep and thoughtful. So, first of all, I had barely interacted with Kayla before this conversation. This was our first, certainly our first uh, verbal communication. And we'd only chatted back and forth about a few things, most of which were business related and social media related and things like that. So, uh, take that context going into how this conversation started and how quickly it got, uh, I felt it got uh, thoughtful and, and deep. And then, second is, I I, I would recommend or rec- highlight listening for the the dynamics and the journey of this conversation because I actually think in listening to it back and 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 perusing it a bit i i thought it was very interesting how we started in one spot and I feel like we ended up in a completely different spot uh, both emotionally and even in terms of how we were thinking about some of the things and then i wanted to let you know we did break this up into two different parts just because it was a little bit lengthy in a good way Um, but i want to make sure that you have time to do what you need to do and so we broke it up into two parts And, um, and then finally, I want to say thank you to Kayla for being as open and honest about her past about her experiences, you can really tell she is someone who's extremely thoughtful about what she's gone through about what she's going through and about what she wants to, uh, to do in her future. And I think that it is uh, just a unique conversation there, there, there are not too many other words to describe it, at least in my vocabulary. So I hope that you enjoy. And uh, I hope that you are you get something out of this conversation, and it um, it's uh, it's a light in in your day in in one way or the other. So we're gonna get right into it. Thanks again. Thank you, first of all, so much for saying yes uh, to coming on. I I so we also met and connected through the Rela group, which I've had a few different people come on uh, as a result of the Rela uh, Slack community, which is pretty fun. And, uh, the reason I wanted to connect is I, you know, you're one of the most active members and I know that you work with Rella. And so I was, I was curious about all that. And then as I was like, you know, obviously looking at your social media and your blog and your all kinds of stuff, I was, I was curious about, you know, basically what you're about and what you're up to. And then when I was looking at your LinkedIn and everything, I saw that, um, you are currently a JD candidate at, um, at, well, at the UTK University of Tennessee in Knoxville, right? Okay. And you're graduating this year, I think.
0: Yes, I graduated in five weeks. It's crazy.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. That's amazing. Okay. So there are literally a thousand different things that you're doing that you're up to and that you've done. And so I was trying to figure out how to organize it. Um, And I I think I wanted to ask about the law school stuff, because I think that's one of the more unique or different things when it comes to like social media realm, there are fewer people uh, that have gone to law school and okay. So first question was, did you graduate? You got your bachelor's in three years. Did you graduate in uh, three years and was that like a, was that an accelerated program? Was that just something you did? Like, how did that work?
0: Yeah. So I graduated in three and a half years. I actually would have graduated in three years had I not failed math twice in college, okay. <laughs> which is crazy because I started college at 17. So I actually graduated two weeks after I turned 21. I was underage the, pretty much the entire time I was an undergrad. Um, but yeah, so I graduated three and a half years. Um, And no, it wasn't an accelerated program. I just took a lot of AP classes in high school. So I had a lot of credits going in and I didn't really like my, my second semester of college ever. So my spring, my freshman year of college, I was already taking classes in my major. Um, And there was a few gen eds that I spread out throughout my time in college. Um, But for the most part, I was, I, di- I dove in headfirst into my major, which ended up becoming my minor, and I took on a different major, um, and I almost actually took on a second minor just to, to stay the full four years, mm-hmm. um, but then I decided not to do that, and I'm actually glad I didn't do that, because it was really nice to have a full 8 week, uh, eight months break between college and law school. I really needed that break, so it worked out, but yeah, I graduated in three and a half years.
1: Okay. Um, yeah, I actually, I did a similar thing. I didn't actually graduate early because I didn't bother with like making it like, you know, doing the paperwork and whatever. I was like, whatever. Um, but I kind of had a similar thing where I basically all of my open credits or whatever, like I was able to walk in from college stuff. And then I did all of my language requirements like over the summer. And so I was able to like cram a ton of stuff in during the actual semester. And so that made it way easier. Um, and yeah. And I started my major stuff early too. I didn't fall like the typical, like do this then do that. I was like, nah, I'd rather just do my own program.
0: <laughs> yeah, I didn't have to do the language requirements because I'm a Spanish speaker. Spanish yep. is my first language. So, and I took AP Spanish in high school, so I actually didn't have to do the Spanish requirements. The only Gen Eds. So I actually got away with not taking biology or chemistry in college or economics. Um, somehow, I <laughs> I was able to avoid those, and I didn't take any of those. I took microeconomics, AP micro or AP macro, one of the two in undergrad, but I didn't pass the exam. I got a two. So those credits didn't transfer over, but I somehow got away with not taking it in college and thank God for that. Um, but I actually had to retake two classes, three, if you count math twice. So I would have graduated a whole like year early had that not happened. I retook philosophy and I retook math twice. So but I didn't have to take language. I didn't have to take the only sciences I took were um, physical geology or something like that. Like geology, it was like easy. Um, But yeah, I I got really lucky with college. I kind of scraped by, but I, I'm glad because there was a lot going on just like me evolution wise as a person and college was just like college was important, but I rather had been working. I was interning, I was working with the Senator. I was on campaigns, like I was busy and and I was working as a hostess at some point. So it worked out that in college, I, you know my classes were relatively easy and I scraped by, you know, I did decent, I ended up with a 3.5 GPA. Um, not that grades matter and I'm very passionate about grades not really mattering, especially in law school, which we'll talk about, but yeah. College was an interesting time. I look back and I'm like, a lot of things that other people did in college, I really didn't do or I did them in a roundabout way, but it works out. I mean, that's the whole point of college. Everyone's kind of figuring their own thing out. Everyone's on their own
1: path, doing it their own way. And
0: we all end up where we're supposed to. So I guess it really doesn't matter
1: that's awesome. And the reason, well, the reason I think it's awesome, aside from like, obviously the good things is, um, I was similar to me too. I started like my, my freshman year uh, semester, like the first semester I was like, I'm going to be gung ho. I was doing all the things I was engaging going to the things, whatever. And then like, I don't know, four or five months in or whatever freshman year, I was like, you know what, this is dumb. I don't enjoy this. And I stopped. And so I started doing like my own stuff. I had like my small little friend group and then I would work an average of 20, at least 20 hours a week. But I worked 30, even 40 hours a week on top of classes and working you know, I fitness. In a stuff.
0: I was in the sorority. So I was really involved in Greek life and I was really involved with our dance marathon at my school it was called night on, which actually was this past weekend. Um, And I was like getting really sentimental because it was one of the best experiences of my college career I went every four years so my final year actually went as an alum because I had already I wasn't a student anymore so I had to go as an alum and getting to experience it on both ends and I can't wait to go back um as an alum and continue fundraising um, and I actually raised the most for my chapter um and I got to sponsor other people in my sorority to go to the event and experience it and just raising money for the children's hospital and standing. So we stand for 20 hours for the kids who can't, um, you know, kids in hospital beds and raising money for for diapers and for incubators and for their medicine and stuff. So their families don't have to pay for it, similar to St. Jude's. And um, it was one of the best experiences of my life. And I was actually getting really sentimental looking back at pictures of it uh, of my time there and getting to see them experience it, the students experiencing it this year. Um, and so I was really involved on campus, um, you know, with, I was a Rogamma, so with Panhellenic, I was really involved with a fraternity on campus as well. I was like a little sister to them. Um, my sorority, I was in, involved in leading our team to go to Nython. And yeah, and then I worked as well. So I I did focus on school. School was important to me, but I always I've always known that there's more to me than school and academia. And And that was my mentality even going into law school too. Like I have never subscribed to like law school is like the end all be all. It's not my end goal. It's going to allow me to get to where I want to be. And I think that is why I've been so successful. Like on paper, I look like I have a million different things going on and I do, but they're all connected and they all make sense. But if you look at me from a traditional law school lens, it's like, what the hell is this girl doing? Like I I don't have like a so-called, big law job I don't I'm not successful in the traditional terms of law school but I that just doesn't like that's not what I wanted I wanted to law school was a step along the way to get to where I wanted to be and so yeah for me undergrad was kind of just like I'm gonna get my degree and I'm gonna get to the next step because I know what I want and I know what it's gonna it's gonna take to get me there and I'm just like gonna enjoy it while I can and I i I really focused on building connections and meeting people, and getting involved on campus in ways that are going to allow me to meet people than like grades.
1: 100% relatable. I totally know what you're talking about. Um, okay, well, so before we before we get into law school and the whole end goal here, why are you doing so many things? Why, regardless of the traditional, you know, outside in or whatever perspective. i want to i'm curious now like why why are you doing all these things why do you care about all these things and why are you putting in that much effort into because like i know you know i know you wrote a blog post about anxiety and things like that and so like i know that that's been i mean i think it's kind of you know a devil we all have to wrestle with but i'm curious like before we you know before leaving that out for a minute why are you why are you doing so many things why were you i guess before you know
0: yeah, so actually I think the mental health aspect has it plays a big role. So I've struggled with anxiety and depression since I was 12. And um, I've really struggled with what I was passionate about. I, My high school and college experience, I really looking back now, I was really unhappy and I was in a very dark place and I was going through the motions. So all of that that I just said about undergrad, like I was actually in a really unhappy place. and But doing all of these external things made me fulfilled because I was helping others.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: that has always been my goal in life is to help people and inspire people because I wouldn't be where I'm at today if the people in my village, cause it takes a village, hadn't done that for me. And you know, my, my parents are immigrants. I'm first generation American and they've built their careers in corporate America that have given me the life that I have. And if it wasn't for them doing that work and rising up the ranks and building connections that have helped me get to where I am, I would not be here today. And, and I'm very grateful for that and aware of that. And I wanted to be that for the next generation. And that I've always wanted that. Um, um, <laughs> I've always wanted to be for the next generation. And it was kind of, I didn't know how to be any other way to be honest, like that was how I got through, through it was by helping others, especially with dance marathon. I, I was making an impact and I could see that impact. I got to tour the hospitals, meet the children, you know, meet the families. And I was like, okay, like, this is like, I am very philanthropic. This is important to me. Like, this is something I'm going to lean into this. And so then I just started finding other ways to help people. And the people would always ask me questions about, you know, how I did my hair and how did I do my makeup? And like, this and that and like where I went on a trip and like people would ask me for advice. And I was like, I don't know anything. Like, I don't know why people think I know things cause I don't. And at nine times out of 10, I was a lot younger than everybody else. So it was like interesting to me that people thought I was someone that could help them but it was just my confidence and my my presence, I guess. But in reality, I was actually not confident and I was really struggling. And, um, but I look back and it was like, that passion for helping people, that drive to make an impact on people and inspire people the way that people who had inspired me had, that was the guiding principle. That was the, the, th- the common thread from through everything that I've done and everything that I'm currently doing. So you look on paper, there's a million different things it seemed like they would all be disconnected. But for me, it's all about why am I doing the things that I'm doing? Am I passionate about them? Do I love them? Are they going to get me to where I want to be? So it's all like you said, like, we'll talk about like the, the bigger picture later, but like, no, like that's, that's why I do the things that I do. So actually when you apply to college, when you apply to grad school, you have to write a personal statement and you have to tell them why you want to be a part of that program. And I always tell people, don't tell them like, it's like, why do you want to be a lawyer? Don't say, I want to be a lawyer because I want to write an injustice that has been done in the criminal justice system. Okay, great. How are you going to use your degree to get to do those things? How is going to law school going to allow you to do those things? What are you going to offer the law school? And that goes for any program, any grad school or any undergrad. Why are you studying what you're studying? Why are you going, why are you investing in yourself and the time, money, energy, effort that it takes to study this or this job interview or whatever it is? How is that going to benefit you? And how is that in turn going to benefit why you're doing it, whether it's for other people or whatever it is, know why you're doing things and then use that why as a guiding principle. And for me, it was always I wanted to help people. I from a very young age, I I could talk to a wall. I was a very chatty kid as a child. I would talk to anybody. I was happy go lucky. People would call me Shirley Temple, like or Mariah Carey. Like I had curly hair and I was chatty and I wanted to talk to everybody and then I came to middle school and high school and I lost that and it wasn't until end of college truly the, that, that eight month break between college and law school that I really started breaking out of that weird shell that I had that, co- that cocoon that shell that I had put myself in because I was unhappy. and it was like what makes me happy is helping other people mm-hmm. how am I going to help other people Law school is going to allow me to do that because it's going to give me more resources and tools to do that. Financially- so, so,
1: so, what is your big, big picture? Right, what is that? Your, the thing that I want to do, the, the goal that I have, like, what is that then? That yeah, you all these things feed up into. Not, not, not necessarily. to your point, right? Not necessarily like, um, you know, like specifically. Not like getting into the how, like I want to do X, not, you know, I want to change the world, right? (laughs) Yeah.
0: No, I, I mean, I don't even have like one specific thing. I don't want to limit myself into, I'm just going to do this and that's going to get me like my big picture is I want to help people. I want to inspire people and I want to use myself as a vessel to do that. So however I can help others, whatever, like I'm really passionate about networking and teaching people how to network. I love sharing my mental health story to help people realize that they're not alone and that you could struggle with mental health and still be successful. So I'm using myself as an example and inspiring people. And that's my bigger picture. And however I can do that, like that is what I want to do. And I want to be
1: successful. Where does does law school fit into that?
0: Yeah. So I want to be successful. I want to make a lot of money, not for the sake of making a lot of money, although I am expensive and I like nice things, but it's also... I want to make a lot of money so I can give back. I Philanthropy is really important to me, always has been. I want to continue working with the Children's Hospital. I want to work with, you know, the Kiwanis of Little Havana, which is a local organization in Miami, um, the Big Brothers and Big Sisters, you know, the Boys and Girls Club, like organizations. I thought I've worked with them here and there throughout the last couple of years. And it's just, I want to keep working with those organizations and giving back and just being a mentor, I mentor young Hispanic students here in Knoxville that are undocumented, whose families don't speak English and I'm helping them get into college. One of them actually just told me the other day that she got a scholarship to college. She didn't have to pay like, practically anything to go to college. And you know, for her, she has to go to a private school because she's undocumented. So state schools won't give her money, but she got a scholarship to a college that is very expensive and she barely has to pay anything because she had that drive and it's like seeing other people achieve their goals like that makes me happy and it makes me want to continue doing it in law school so my personal statement i wrote that i want to law school give me the tools to continue to inspire and help more people whether it's financially or mainly financially so i can hire people to help me build out these businesses and these dreams and these goals so i've always been very entrepreneurial And it, for me, law school was a way for me to just build an empire of giving back and having the financial resources and the connections to like resources are also humans, like capital, like, and like people like resources in like both senses to help me help more people. So law school, that was, that was why law school fit. And I, I always knew that I, didn't want to do the traditional law route. I, I I think I'm pretty confident I always knew that. And I I fed in, you know, I fell into that trap when I came to law school because law school does a really good job of making it seem like there's no other path outside of law school that big law is the end all be all that yep, is like. Yep. I, my
1: two best friends are lawyers. I know what you're talking about. <laughs>
0: that's that's what they perpetuate. And if that's you, that's okay. We need those people. But not everyone is that. And also 90% of people. I won't say 90, a good chunk of people by year eight are so disillusioned with the practice of law that they leave it all together. And I didn't want to, I knew that I wouldn't even make it to year eight. To be honest, I won't even make it to year one if I go the traditional law route, because I know that that's not for me. So I went into law school and I was like, oh, like I'll do corporate law at a a big law firm. Like I'll make a lot of money and then I'll be able to do all those things I want to do later. But (laughs) I can't do that because. If I'm working at a big law firm, I'm making, yeah, making 150K a year, bonuses and all of that included, but I'm working hundred hours a week. At what point, at when, when am I going to do all the other things I want to do? I can't, I don't have time. So I realized I'd rather make less at the beginning, but build out all these companies and industries that are making me more money long-term and do, and just do it the untraditional way. So yeah, I went into law school thinking I was going to I didn't have it really like cemented, but I wanted to help people. And I was going to build companies and organizations and be a part of those things that are going to get me to that goal that I want to help people. And when I came in, I was like, oh, I'll do like real estate law for a corporate, like corporate law, real estate law for a big law firm. And then I really fast within the first year, I was like, yeah, no, I don't want this. And I also struggled really bad with mental health. And it got exacerbated exponentially while I was in law school, because Law school is one of the most difficult things. I think med school is 10 times harder, but law school is significantly more difficult than I think a lot of programs. And I think it just, it's a lifestyle. It's not just school, it's, it changes your entire life. It, bec- it can become your entire life. I fell into that, I fell into that trap. And then it came to the point where I was suicidal. And I was like, I can't continue like this. And I told my parents, I told my faculty, and I'm very good friends with my teens. And I told them, I was like, either I focus on grades and there will be no me at graduation, point blank, or I focus on what makes me happy and I graduate. And I'm going to make, I'm going to be happy, but I need to put myself first. And they were like, okay, like, fair. I agree with that because- I don't know if people know this, but lawyers, the legal profession has the highest degree of suicide and drug and substance abuse of any of the professional degrees of any profession. They have the worst because of the pressure that is put on you. And it starts day one of law school. They literally tell you day one, look around, look to your right, look to your left. Half these people won't be here. Half these people won't make it. They tell you that the first week of school. And it's like, why am I here?
1: Hello, I hate to interrupt this episode and this awesome conversation, but if you have just a few seconds, do you mind hitting the like button and subscribing if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, hitting that notification bell? And then if you're listening to this on uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts or something along those lines, then please take the same time and just hit the follow button. I would love to have you be a permanent part of this journey and that's all I have. Let's get right back at it. Do you think to a certain extent, or maybe even to what extent do you think the your running and gunning, um, approach to life is, um, is, is an, is a subconscious and or conscious effort to stay away from the, the mental health and kind of the dark mental places, um, of that your mind, you know, can be inclined to, to go to, right. As opposed to it being a solution, it being a distraction. And like, how do you interact with that?
0: I don't think it's a distraction. I actually think it's my, it's my superpower. I I genuinely believe that I, I have yet to discover what my depression has taught me, but my anxiety teaches me a lot um, it's, it's telling me something. My body is literally speaking to me and I have to listen to it. And it's usually one of three things. It's either like, this is bad for you. Like, don't do this, whether it's a person, whether it's a job, whether it's whatever it is, it's like, I get a bad energy and I, I just, my body starts freaking out on me. It's like, nope, don't do this. Or it's like, you should pursue this. Like something is telling me like my intuition, my anxiety is like, you should pursue this. This is a good path for you. Like you should lean more into that and run with it. And then the last one is like, you are done. Like you need a break. Like your body is like done and we need to take some time off and like recalibrate.
1: So what sorts of things like, and, or what thing, um, like gives you a sense of peace?
0: I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm generally still trying to (laughs) figure it all out. I don't have all the answers. Um, but like when I see someone succeeding, like I celebrate that, like I, I am, I have always struggled with people who are envious. Like I, I have a very tough exterior and I have a very strong personality. So I've always struggled to make a lot of friends. Um, I don't have a lot of friends. I can count my true friends on, you know, both hands. And that includes guys and girls. Cause I've always had friends that are guys and girls like my bridesmaids I can count them on one hand then I have a couple guy friends that are like my rider dies. that's it like everyone else I love them but they're acquaintances and they're good friends but like my true close friends like they are there's very few and far between mm-hmm. and it wasn't even until the last two years that I found girlfriends because I, I never had that growing up because I was always very assertive and I and strong-willed and Not set in my ways, but like, I knew what I wanted and I wasn't afraid to go after it. And I'm not going to stomp all over other people to get there, but I'm also not going to make other feet. I'm not going to cushion the blow for you to get to where I want to go. I know what I want. I'm going to do it. And if Mm -hmm. you want to come with me, I will help you, but don't stand in my way.
1: Do you think that approach has um, caused it it, like in its raw form uh, caused you any additional Um, struggles or like made some things harder and right I I think because I especially in college um, I had a very similar mindset Um, but then I went through and even before college I went through several different like super difficult circumstances where I had to learn like almost doing you know I had to learn empathy um, and learn how to understand it so that I could understand how people were reacting. So that even though I was still like maintaining my trajectory and everything, I knew how to speak and well, learned how to speak to people in such a way that they could hear what I was saying versus just like, feel like they were getting, you know, hollered at or whatever.
0: So that that's emotional intelligence. And Mm -hmm. I am actually someone who is very highly emotionally intelligent because I am very actually empathetic because I have, I've seen both ends of the spectrum. I've been at the really dark place, but I've also been at the, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm anywhere near my peak and I hope I never get there because then there's only one way to go down, but I'm on the rise and I've seen both ends of that. And I am willing to help people come with me, but I won't mm-hmm. let you stand in my way because the only person that you're hurting is yourself. Like you, you don't have to dim other people to make yourself feel better. I I don't subscribe to that. And um, yeah, it's made it, it's a very unpopular decision. It's led me to not have a lot of friends, like I was saying, but, and I've struggled with that, but Mm -hmm. I can play the game like the best of them. And life is a game. It's all about who you know, and it's all about playing the game. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I I agree. I've struggled a lot and I've had to learn to tone it down um, significantly, but at the same time, it's who I really am. And I'm not going to hold myself back for anyone if that, to make you feel comfortable. If Do I make you, you uncomfortable, like, sorry, but I, I, I won't. I refuse to 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 shrink myself, to make other fe- people feel good because I'm willing to help you get to where you want to be, but you need to let me get there first. And then mm-hmm. I will explain my aunt out to you.
1: Do you think that that, uh, that modus operandi is like a um, like a protection, almost like a protection barrier.
0: It's a defense mechanism. I'll admit it. It, it is. It, it's a defense mechanism. It always has been, but it's worked for me. Um, and that way also, I don't want people in my life who are envious of me. I, like I said, I've always struggled with
1: that. Yeah, of course. No one wants
0: that. <laughs> <are> Jealous, <and laughs> envious. It like, this is sounds really bad, but I pity them because it's like, you are so concerned about me that you're not even realizing what's going on in your own life that there's good things going on in your life. Celebrate those things. Stop worrying about me. Like I want to celebrate you. I want to help you succeed, but I'm not going to put my energy into that. If you were just going to talk shit about me behind my back and you know try to bring me down, guess what? It's not going to bring me down. It's only going to piss me off more.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think to a certain extent that um in in my experience. Um, which I've been through lots of stuff as well. Um, but is, I think I, what I had to learn and I'm still parsing out is that, um, is that I think that those those things don't have to be mutually exclusive and that I don't think people have, you have to like entirely block people out and like be aggressive in that. And like, not, you know, take care of yourself, right. And be wise and mature in your own uh, pursuit of what you feel called to.
0: It is, it's boundary setting. And I have, I agree. I don't think they're mutually exclusive and I'm not a bitch about it. Can I be sure? But am I? No, I'm on, I, I, I try my hardest to explain and set boundaries and stick to them. And if that still doesn't work, then I become a bitch, but just because I need to protect myself. Look, no one, no one is going to, you know, give you handouts in life. You are all you have, you have to do it yourself. And, you know, I've had a lot of people help me along the way, but everything I've had is because I did it myself. Yeah. And um, that I'm not going to let anyone stop me from getting to where I want to be.
1: Um, I, I think that's kind of one of the I think that's where, like, as we go through life, like that's where to a certain extent, things get hard and, you know, continue to get more and more complicated. Right. Because the whole, your whole, the whole concept of like, I have a candle company, right. We've talked about it, um, where I'm trying to help, you know, um, anti-human trafficking organizations and whatnot. Um, and that comes out of a very fervent desire in my heart to help people. Um, and to a certain extent it's, um, it's like an interesting combination of like, in order to help other people, you have to sacrifice of your time and you have to give of yourself to those people, right? That is a sacrificial (laughs) move, but in order to be in a place where you can do that um, to, you know, you have to also be the sort of person that protects what you're up to and is intentional with what you're up to. And so it's this weird balance between the two. And I think it's, it's a very difficult balance to to strike.
0: Absolutely. It's, Yeah, I, 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 I'm glad you said that. I think it is all about being intentional. I am very intentional with my time, with my energy, because it's time is money. Energy is money. And I, I think it's, it is a defense mechanism, 100%. And the reason I do it is because I need to protect myself, my energy, my time, and I want to be intentional. With the people I allow into my life and the people that I allow to take time and energy from me, because that is time and energy one that I won't get back, and two that I'm taking away from doing things that are going to help others and get me to a place where I can continue to help more people.
1: And do you think that? Um, do you think that the defense mechanism and the engagement of that um, is um, is part of what causes you to struggle to find things that like bring you peace or make you feel peaceful?
0: Yeah. I, I, yeah, i have always, you know, we are our own worst enemy and <laughs> yes, it's yeah, 100%. I struggle to find peace because I always feel like I have to be doing something. I always have to be go, go, go. And I don't know how to slow down and enjoy the moment. Um, because I, I've always thought, and I'm a lot better about it now, but growing up, I always thought someone was out to get me. I always thought that someone, you know, and that and my that my depression, it was it's a chemical imbalance in the brain, but I genuinely thought that someone was out to get me. Mm-hmm. And this stems from a lot of childhood trauma. This stems from a lot of generational trauma. Um, you know, it's a defense mechanism because I had to learn to protect myself from a very young age. And um I, I don't wish this upon anyone. Yeah. I don't I don't think anyone should. Be like me like I, I i strive to inspire people make an impact but not in like i don't want people to get hard and like i am mm-hmm. i'm learning to be softer i want to be softer but yeah. also i would be lying if i said that this wasn't what got me to where i am mm-hmm. so it's important to talk about um i i need to learn to to one of my intentions for 2022 is actually to be more present and in the moment and enjoy the moments more and celebrate small wins more because I don't celebrate myself. I don't you know I celebrate others but I don't celebrate my own wins and my love language is words of affirmation and because no one ever praises me because they're not going to I always felt that I wasn't good enough. I always felt that I didn't deserve those things. So mm-hmm. I always I I just I look back now and like it takes other people telling me, look how much you've accomplished for me to realize like, wow, I've accomplished a lot. I'm actually really proud of myself, but Mm -hmm. that's within the last year that I've been able to start doing that. Cause I, yeah, it's a defense mechanism. I, I had to protect myself because no one else would. And I was, I always, yeah, I said earlier, like envious girls, like bullies, mean girls. And I fought back. Mm -hmm. I was, very mean. I was the meanest of them all. I was the biggest bitch of them all because I, I was, and I went for the jugular. I was very unpopular because I struggled with that. I didn't understand why people treated me the way they did. So I went for the jugular Mm -hmm. and I, it's now as an adult that I'm realizing that it was envy, that it was jealousy, that they wanted something that I had, but to be honest, I didn't see what they want. Like, I didn't see that in myself. I didn't understand why, why do I have what they want? Why do they not like me so much?
1: Yeah, well, Everyone, and not not in their defense in any way, right? Because I don't think there is, um, there are no, there shouldn't be any excuses. But that's one of the other things that, um, that is difficult to learn. Sometimes is. Is that often like the people that are acting in that way in the same way that right you you were not acting and being mean and whatnot to these other people in your life because you um, just had a nasty streak right you're doing it because you felt insecure you felt unsafe and you know unhappy as a result of what they were doing or even other circumstances in your life that then exacerbated what was happening right it becomes this nice big cauldron of of horror um, and so you know, often I think I'm sure that the other, you know, girls and whatnot in your life probably have things in their life that were causing them to act in the, you know, nasty ways that they were reacting and, and whatnot. And it's, it's very, especially when you're younger, obviously you don't really, it's very difficult to understand that. Um, and I think that's part of what, you know, part of what you know, like the journey entails is having to understand that and mature through that to the point to where it's like, you're, you're the one that's going to be different in your life. And then you can teach other young girls and boys and whatnot to also be different where it's not just about like, you know, the world's nasty and like, I'm going to be, you know, all about myself. It's like, no, there's just a lot of hurt and pain in the world and people need help. And they need to be able to both feel safe and then also be able to, you know, experience mercy and understanding
0: absolutely and that's where I'm at now because I like everything that I was saying before like that that is still in me because it was my defense mechanism and it's going to take a very long time for those walls to come down and to some extent they're always going to be there because it has gotten me this far and I wouldn't be where I'm at today had those things not happened but yeah and it's that's why I'm a big proponent of therapy and I talk openly about this and I talk openly about my struggles with mental health and I, I, I'm an advocate for getting help. Um, I've been in therapy since I was 12, in and out of therapy for years, for a decade, more than a decade. And it wasn't until I came to law school when I had started dating one of my, he's now my best friend, one of my best friends, but he we, were, we met two months before and we started talking And it wasn't until he turned to me one day and was like, I love you, but you need help. I can't be with you like this. You need help. And something inside of me clicked and was like, he will never see me that way. And we will never be together. Like, that's just not going to happen. But I, he sees something in me Mm -hmm. and I want to see what that is for myself. I want to get better. And it wasn't until 2019, it was October, 2019 that I really made that decision to like Okay, I'm going to figure this shit out, and I'm going to, I'm going to make some changes, um, and I'm going to start healing. And it wasn't until that conversation that I truly started unpacking all of that trauma, and like I said, childhood trauma, generational trauma. I had to get to the deep, co- the deep, like the deep-rooted cause, figure out why I was the way I was, why I was doing the things that I was doing. And once I started to understand those things, unpack them. I started to realize that I don't need to be like that anymore. And so now I'm not, but those wounds are still there and there will always will be. And, you know, one thing that my therapist, one of them at the time in law school taught me, she, like, like I had been in a toxic relationship and she was like, if he was here right now, what would you do? What would you say? What would you do? Cry, scream, kick, punch, yell, whatever. Like, I don't care. Whatever you want. It's a safe place. Pretend I'm not here, but he is. What would you do? And I was catatonic, silent for like a good five minutes. And she was freaking out. She's like, oh, What the fuck just happened? And, but all I said super calmly, and by the way, I, if I'm really calm and quiet, something is seriously wrong because <laughs> I'm a yeah. So it was like, She was like, Oh shit. And I just, super calmly like eerily calm I was like I will never forgive you I don't hate you but I want nothing to do with you Mm -hmm. and I hope I never see you again and I hope you never do what you did to me to someone else and that's it and it was like don't get me wrong like I, I don't forgive him I don't I want nothing to do with him those things are true but I wish he could see me now. I wish all those people could see me now. Uh-huh. Because I'm a spiteful bitch, I'll admit it. But also because they didn't break me. I didn't allow them. And those defense mechanisms, that's what allowed me to keep going. Because I easily could have, and I almost did fall. And I, I, I got very close to crashing and burning. And I hit rock bottom one too many times. And it was finally when my best friend was like, I love you, but you need help that. I mean, that conversation came after he told me that, but him being there for me, knowing he was like, I, I can't be with you in that way, but I see something in you. Mm -hmm. Him seeing something in me made me see something in myself. And knowing that nine times out of 10, he's not going to answer the phone because he sucks. I love him, but he doesn't. Um, But if he, if I call one, two like several times, he's like, okay, something is seriously wrong. And like, I'm going to go figure out what it is. And he's Mm -hmm. there for me. And, you know, I think having a support system, I never allowed myself to, because I thought that people didn't care and genuinely didn't want me and that I didn't belong, that I wasn't good enough and people didn't love me. And so I didn't allow other people to be there for me, but it was finally opening up and allowing people to be there for me that I I shed goes. Those outer shackles, and now I've I've come into my own in a much better way, and all of those experiences have allowed me to be where I'm at today. And you know, I'm sure similar with you with sex trafficking and human trafficking. Like when when you help those people, they come in and they have all their these walls up and these guards up, and it's going to take a lot of unconditioning and unlearning for them to to step into themselves and realize that it wasn't about them. And that there's, there's a future for that. And it was,
1: has there been any part of your journey over the last year and a half um, that you've felt or seen as, um, as beautiful or amazing?
0: The fact that I'm still here.
1: Okay. Um
0: to be honest, I'm a firm believer in everything happens for a reason. And that lo que es ti, nadie te lo quita, what's for you, no one will take that away from you. Uh-huh. And By some miracle I'm here. And you know what? I, I'm going to keep going every single day and I'm going to figure it out. And I'm just going to yep. take it day by day because there is a bigger purpose for my life. Like there is a reason why I'm still here. And I have a purpose and it is to teach people that you can do whatever the hell you want, whatever you set your mind to and your past doesn't define you. Your mental health struggles don't define you and you can struggle with mental health and still be successful because I did it. Yeah. And I genuinely never thought I was telling my parents this last night. I was telling one of my best friends like a year and a half ago. I never thought, that I would be here five weeks away from graduation with several job offers and opportunities on the horizon. And I'm gonna be okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I never thought that I would get there. And like, yeah, I think there's that's the beauty of it that I am still here and I'm still fighting. And no matter how many people have tried to bring me down and hurt me and there have been many, I'm still here. And my best friend hates that I say this, He gets mad at me every time, but I call myself a cockroach. I'm very resilient. It's one of my best qualities. No matter how many times someone has tried to, you know, bring me down, stop me, you know, hurt, hit me where it hurts, kill me, not literally, but, you know, figuratively, cut my head off, cut my arms off, whatever. Like I'm still here.
1: Do you think that there may be a path forward in finding some peace um, through the comfortability of believing and knowing that you being alive you know being alive and born and in, in any at the, you know at all let alone obviously you know having gone through the last 20 plus years of your life um, that being like something that's a miracle to use your word and amazing and beautiful. Um, do you think that that like, could be a, you know, a starting point or a grounding point for feeling some sense of, of peace?
0: Yeah. I think once I finally, I'm still healing, you know,
1: Oh yeah. It's always a journey. (laughs)
0: Um, I think it's going to take a while for me to get there, but I'm learning to, you know, I can't, you know, i learning to forgive the people who who hurt me mm-hmm. and I, I can't change it. I can't change them. I have to accept that that was the hand that I was dealt. And I think once I'm able to finally do that, which will take a really long time because there are people very close to me yeah, maybe one day, but, and I'm not there. And right now, everything that I'm doing on the external, helping people, these platforms that I'm on, the work that I'm doing, it seems all superficial because it's on social media, but and we'll talk about that. But that is what I'm good at. That's where my skills are. And that is bringing me peace right now that I get to do what I love. I get to do what I am passionate about because now that I've seen the dark, I can see that with a much better light. And that's like, I'm going to pursue that. And that's why I was telling, I've told this to several people in the last couple of years when I publicly said, you know, I'm not going to pursue the traditional law route. And a lot of my classmates don't get that. Mm -hmm. They don't understand that. For their own reasons and that's fine but one of my best friends she's my mentor she works in big law and i called her last night to tell her like look at this opportunity that presented itself to me and and she was like i'm really proud of you like that's amazing and she she never once was like you're crazy or you can't do that or you know she didn't say any of those things and and it's people like that that even though they're doing one thing they see the value in other people doing others, even with the same degree. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was, I realized that if I go the traditional law route, I will not be happy. Mm -hmm. And I spent a decade of my life being miserable. Now that I know what it's like to have passions and be uh, doing things I love and that make me happy with people that celebrate me and want to help me why would I put myself in the position of being miserable just to say, yeah, I'm making 150 K. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So does the, um, does the prospect of healing and, um, and the sense of, you know, uh, uh, emotional being emotionally free, um, you know, at the, the, like the light at the end of the tunnel. Right. Does that, that vision or that idea um, that hope it's ex- like fill you with excitement? Does it like, does it bring light into your soul when you think about that? And, you know, do you believe that that's truly achievable in like, in your, you know, heart of hearts? <laughs>
0: So actually something that I've been really struggling with lately, because I actually was thinking about this, I think yesterday, it's like, am I going to cry at graduation? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Because I've just been so mentally done for such mm-hmm. a long time. And I'm just going through the motions of school at this point. that um, am I going to cry or have I disassociated enough? And that's my problem. And that's how I cope. I disassociate. Yep. And that's something I need to work on. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't, I think. I don't know what the light at the end of the tunnel is for me
1: mm-hmm.
0: that looks like, because I don't, I don't think that there's ever going to be like, i hit this goal and I've made it.
1: Oh, and I think for sure, for sure.
0: I think that's a good thing because if we've made it, then again, there's only one place to go. You have to go down. So I don't wanna ever get to the point where I've made it. It's gonna it's gonna be an ever-changing, evolving, going for the light at the end of the tunnel. What more can I do? How much more can I help people? Um, how much more can I evolve and change and grow? And I want to continue evolving. I never want to stay stagnant. I was stagnant for a very long time. I look back, high school and college, I was harming myself not self-harm, but like in other ways. I was harming myself by I mean, I was self-harming, just not like in the sense that we think of. Like yep. I my coping mechanisms, I'll be honest, was sex and I disassociated. I I used sex as a coping mechanism for my depression. I didn't know at the time that I had anxiety, um, which I had cle- very clearly now always did, but I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that sex meant love and that if a guy gave me attention, that meant they loved me and that they wanted me and that I was good enough. Mm-hmm. That's not what that means. And it, it's been a long road of realizing why I was doing that. And it, it, there was a few scary situations where I that I put myself in that I realized that this can't continue anymore. And I was lucky enough to... To figure it out when I did, and 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 I'm working on healing that. But it was I disassociate
1: mm-hmm. and
0: to this day I now can't have a healthy relationship because I disassociated so much I can't reconcile sex with something beautiful mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be, and not just like to procreate, but like in other ways. And like mm-hmm. so, I've really struggled with that. Um, I think, you know. I don't, I think there's not one light at the end of the tunnel. I think there's going to be several that I'm going to have to get through and there's always going to be more. Um, I'm the type of person I admit that I'm, I'm never satisfied. I always want more because I now see my potential. Mm -hmm. I now see that I can do whatever I want, however I want. And you know, I am very strong willed. I'm very assertive and yeah, it's a defense mechanism, but it also allows me to do those things. And I never want to hurt people or stomp on them or bring them down because that's defeating the purpose. That's what people would try to do to me. So I would never do that to them. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I'm, I'm learning to be more I've always been empathetic because I feel things deeper than most people because I've seen the dark side, but you know, I, I'm, I'm being, I'm working, working on being more respectful and the way that I say things and how I approach things. I'm very blunt instead of being so blunt, being like not so blunt and just wording it differently, but still getting the point across, but yeah getting to where i want to go but again like i want to help people get there but just let like don't let don't stop me from getting there we can get there at the same time or let me get there first and i will help you up but like don't hold me back because then the ugly side of me comes out and like no one wants that i don't want that
1: um <laughs> yeah um i want to be sensitive of your time do you have any thing that we need to be careful or sensitive to schedule nothing. wise